0: The Good Times Are Killing Us Podcast. It's your boy, Marquise. We're back, and I'm joined by K-Town. K-Town. David. Hey, what's up? And our very, very special guest, our own resident tax-paying look, Mr. John S. Thompson. What's going on, y'all? Hey, we're glad to have you. The S is for swag, too.
1: <laughs> we're changing your name, and and this yeah. is actually... We should probably talk about how, like, this has actually been foretold from, like, a year ago when we had our Wook episode. Oh,
0: yeah. On our Wook episode, we actually spoke about you in coded language, and uh, we talked about how, when K-Town was going a little bit hard on Wooks, about how we know a Wook who is actually fucking not those things. He's clean, he pays his fucking taxes, he does his shit, he's an independent Dude takes care of his shit and he's cool as fuck. And uh, we were talking about you, Mr. John S.
2: Thompson. Hey, I appreciate it swag. Yo, <laughs>
3: swag for real though, man. You're the
0: only wook I love.
3: Um, the only you one know, I like. That means a lot I appreciate that
2: Shouts to John
0: But shouts to all the books So you know I got love for all no,
2: the books No 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 no, no But no,
0: this episode no, Isn't no, about just take
2: books. a shower you guys And he'll love you That's all <laughs> yeah. Thank you and pay Thank you, you taxes Pay, pay you ha- fucking taxes And take a
1: fucking shower but How about the- to kind of like Bring this guy in How about like You just tell us Why it is that you want To be specifically On this episode
2: I mean honestly Hunter S. Thompson Has been one of my favorite Like people to like One his The movie Fear and Loathing Is amazing to, um, he's just a wild card that I mean, just like Gigi Allen that y'all talked about. It's like an anomaly of yeah. the universe, and um, as you know, so I would not want to be him necessarily, but like <laughs> to watch uh, and him do his thing was uh, amazing.
1: I mean, he's a real legend in so many ways. Like, I mean, I've been wanting this episode for a while. I mean, this is actually on our first. Like, when we first started this podcast, we talked about how this was a topic we had to do at some point, and I wanted to wait until we had kind of gotten really used to like doing things in this podcast to really give this the full credit. This is like Hunter Thompson is like one of my biggest heroes, so I'm so excited to talk about this. We're
0: super excited. We're we're, we're so excited that we are even jumping the gun a little bit. Wait, yeah, if you're I, excited I about us, I didn't even tell you what this. This is the podcast where we talk. Where where we explore the history, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the most controversial people, movements, and organizations in our modern world. You know, and, and that's why we're talking about Hunter S. Thompson. But before we get too far into that, We want to tell you to follow us on all our socials, you know, the Facebook at the Good Times for Killing Us podcast, where you can reach out to us, you know, post stuff, tell us what you want us to talk about, anything. On the Instagram, Good Times Killing Us podcast, no spaces there, where you can just check out some memes. And on the Twitter at good underscore times underscore dead. Dead. dead, 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 And please make sure to leave us a rating and review, five stars only, please. Please! on, On Apple Podcasts. Not four and a half. Not four and a half, not three and a half. Like, if you're even going to leave a rating, five stars. Or else just don't leave a rating. (laughs) That's not how this works, guys. But anyway, if you leave us a rating,
1: we will read it right here on the cast. I think we have a new one today to read, don't we? We
0: actually do. And I'm really stoked to read this one because it's from overseas. This shit's from fucking Sweden, y'all. <laughs> oh, very nice. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even have an action I can pull out from that. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to hear this review. It says, entertaining. This this uh, this uh is from Adits Swanson.
1: Stumbled upon this podcast in late 2009 when searching for content in North Korea. Been a trustworthy companion to lighten up boring days ever since. Love the dynamic in the group and the topics. Keep it up. All the best from Sweden. <laughs> thank you so much, dude. Thank hey, you hey so I know much. we uh, just Swanson. fried
3: you. We just fried you, <laughs> Swanson. But, yo, thank you for the review. Well, no, hell it, yeah. it's it
2: a fry? That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah I want people
1: to know it needs to be authentic. Dude, no,
2: especially
0: bro. if you came in on the North Korea episode. Like, yo, dude, that's a wild one to come in. Every episode seems wild for people to come in
1: on. Yeah, are there any, like, normal episodes of the podcast? I mean, the entire <laughs> idea is supposed to be anti that. So, I mean, yeah. So, this is why this is such a perfect topic for us to. So, talk about so where are we before getting into this episode and digging deep into this research and and like talking about him as a group where were y'all coming in with hunter s thompson uh before this
0: yeah i'd like to start with our guests when we talk about where we're coming in with this okay
2: okay so i mean back in high school you know i was dabbling in some things in uh the psychedelic (laughs) world and that was just uh naturally you end up watching you know his movie And, I mean, I explored a little bit more about him and, like, his ride with the Hells Angels. And the more I learned about him, the more, like, fascinating he became. And I didn't dive in too deep, so I'm actually glad I got to do this with you guys because I got to learn a lot more things.
0: Dude, we're really stoked to have you on this episode, honestly. This is an honor. This is great. (laughs)
2: all right but yeah that's that's kind of where i was and uh like i said i didn't dabble too much into it it was just something that i you know a little yeah. bit i've known him.
0: when you're when you're traveling those uh roads those psychedelic uh, roads like hunter s thompson definitely comes up a lot uh <laughs> yeah. honestly dude Outside of fear and loathing in Las Vegas, like I didn't really know who Hunter S. Thompson was. Really, between you, John, and you, David, like y'all were the one who put him on my radar. Like, honestly, as a full ass adult when I met you guys, and like that's when I really, but even still, before this research, I still didn't know. Much. So, this is a lot of this I was learning for this podcast. So,
1: hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I kind of got into Honest Thompson around the same time. Like, I was, I think I was like 15 or 16. I had seen uh, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. I was like watching a lot of cool movies and I like was like, I just thought it was so cool. And I instantly like read the whole book uh, based on Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. Uh, I read the short story, uh, uh, what was it called? The Dec- uh, *The Kentucky Derby is Decadent and Depraved. I read a couple other like uh, uh, parts of some other books, but never like really finished another. The one but I used to think that he was so cool. So uh but let me just say I mean yeah he's a, he's a wild card. He was a huge inspiration uh to me as like a kind of person that just kind of went out and did his own thing and didn't give a fuck about what other people were doing. He always marched to like the beat of his own drum and that was something that I definitely feel like I harnessed a little bit of my own youthful uh vigor from at least being in you know on like an inspirational end. But uh besides that there was a lot that I did not know that we found out in this episode. So it's really cool to like actually get into his full story.
0: K-Town, where are you coming at with Hunter S. I'm Hunter coming Thompson? in
3: with Hunter S. Thompson. Like, I always knew, like, he was a reporter or a journalist, and, like, he did this documentary on, like, the Hells Angels. And then I also knew him as that fucking um, guy from the movie poster... That was in all my homies' apartments when I was, like, <laughs> fucking 19. Oh, yeah, the like, Ralph Stegman like, painting. You, you, yeah. yeah, you literally had that fucking painting on your wall. Yeah, I used to carry
1: that to, like, all my awesome. apartments yeah. for Dude,
0: years. Dude, I, I remember having a custody battle for that painting when we moved out of that apartment. And what? and where is it now, Payne?
1: Dude, I don't know. I think I wound <laughs> up having it, but, like, I had a period where I went, like, super sober for two years, and I was like, this is just not. I don't need this Get around out anymore. Out <laughs> <out of me. laughs> it didn't make sense anymore. <laughs> Be gone, <thot. laughs> Be gone. <laughs>
0: But all right, man, well, fuck, dude, Uh, I guess that's where we're all coming from.
1: All right, so y'all ready to get into the world of Hunter S. Thompson?
2: Yeah, let's show you where we're at.
1: So Hunter Stockton Thompson was an American political and sports journalist who gained fame in the late 1960s and early 1970s for founding Gonzo Journalism, a style of writing in which he inserted himself into the drama of the events that he was covering, often exaggerating details for stylistic and dramatic effect, blurring the lines between fiction and reality.
0: Yeah, he put himself in the middle of his stories and usually took a bunch of drugs or
2: drank a lot. <laughs> he he got in there. <laughs> he got That's in the, there. You know, he got all the way in there. All the way.
1: Yeah, it's important to be said, honestly, like in, in a lot of this episode is not really when he's gotten super into the fear and loathing on Irish Thompson. This is kind of like an early life or an early life of him. But be let it be known, he was drunk. In every single part of this episode, he was mm-hmm. a lifelong alcoholic, even from the beginning. You
0: could wow. almost end most of the outline, most of the stuff that you typed in this outline uh, of his uh, achievements in life with, and he was drunk as fuck. Yeah. yeah, every <laughs> moment of it. Because your boy pretty much drank from the time he was a young adult until he died.
1: Yeah. All right. So y'all ready to get into the early life of this dude? Let's let's find out where he's coming from. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: This is the prologue. This is the beginning. Let's talk about the man before we get into the myth. And the legend, which there's a lot of stuff that's legend. Let's talk about the man.
1: Yeah, how did that all really come to be? So Hunter S. Thompson was born on July eighteenth, nineteen 1937 Boom. in Louisville, Kentucky to his World War One veteran father and his mother, a librarian. He had a fairly good... Uh, no-
0: actually, dude, I, oh. I believe it's pronounced Louisville. Wait what? Yeah, it's it's
1: oh, Louisville.
3: <laughs> also, also, why the fuck was his pussy ass dad sitting out of WW two?
1: Because he was like, I think he was injured. So, injured. it was the big one. I think it was older Get too. Here,
3: Get
1: your old ass in that tank. It ain't enough. You fought World War yeah, One, you, you coward. You
3: gonna you gonna not you gonna skip the sequel, brother? Yeah, know, oh, I'm sorry, I did the first one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wrong war, brother. You should have found the big <laughs> one. Wrong, wrong war, dad.
3: <laughs> wrong war, dad.
1: So, so Hunter had a fairly normal childhood for the most part, save for being the oldest of four brothers, which created a stressful and testosterone-fueled household for the Thompson family. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot so of he just was
3: fucking... just, just A bunch of young dudes just
0: fighting and beating off. Yeah, a
1: lot of just fucking
3: wedgies and (laughs)
0: fucking hard-ass socks, just crispy (laughs)
3: socks.
1: So Thompson was a gifted athlete when he was a young boy, even going so far as to co-found an athletic club when he was in an elementary school. However, Hunter's involvement in sports would substantially wane when he was just 14 years old, when he and his family would endure the slow and agonizing experience of watching their father's demise from a degenerative neurological disorder until he died, which eventually led to his overburned mother, Virginia Thomas, to descend into alcoholism.
0: Yeah, dude, this is the fucking like '40s and shit, dude. Like, she had no husband, you know. She was working on a librarian salary, mm. and four of these little tough guys, fucking these little th- shits, these just little running shits around to come home to, were like constantly fucking whacking off yeah. in yeah. socks. She drinking, yeah. So <laughs> she had she to drink. Yeah. She had to drink. It's it's the least she could do, man. I get it. <laughs> I get it, Virginia.
1: Yeah, Uh, so to cope with the devastation of losing his father and watching his mother lose control over her life and family, Hunter became a juvenile delinquent throughout his teenage years as he dropped out of sports and got heavy into drinking, petty theft, and property damage.
0: And...
3: (laughs) fucking. <laughs> probably oh, yeah, yeah,
0: he was definitely fucking. Yeah, my
3: boy right? was fucking. That's why he became a delinquent. Yeah,
0: yeah. He didn't have no way en- like that's where he was putting all his negative energy into fucking and yeah. robbing people.
1: Uh, yeah. And actually, he was considered a pretty popular kid. Like he was super boy. charismatic. He was able to get like other kids to join him in all and all of his bullshit. So, you're probably right. He was probably fucking. That never really comes up in the stories, but
0: But yeah, obviously so, he was. So, we for... like here at the good times yeah. podcast. We like when we do our biographies, we like to talk about if these people were fucking cuz it's important.
1: Mm. But it, it probably didn't help uh, when a young Hunter S. Thompson was transferred to Louisville Male High School, which has an Little ancient test, which uh Which was an all-boys school. So he's, he's raised with a bunch of boys, an alcoholic mom. He just goes to a school with a bunch of more boys. No
0: more fucking.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd yeah, be pissed too, get locked uh, up. Yeah, he's
0: pissed. He's I'm locked sausage up. Sausage fest. <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking locked up. I'm fucking, you know, I'm in this. This fucking boys' school. I'm all fucking these- raging.
3: My heart's <laughs> pounding. I'm pissed, and there's just a bunch of flat-ass dudes all around. Bros <laughs> <and> drugs. <laughs>
1: So, despite being such a wild boy, Hunter was a lifelong avid reader, likely no small part because his librarian mother provided him easy access to a steady stream of reading material. And the apex of his childhood love of literature occurred when he joined the Athenian Literary Society, a school-sponsored club that dated back almost 100 years.
0: That sounds bougie as fuck.
1: Yeah, and it was weird because like he did not come from that type of a background. He was basically like a I mean, he was a kind of a middle class kid, but yeah, after your like dad died,
0: he's like lower middle class, dude. Yeah, yeah definitely. And these uh, these without are, a dad
1: in like the 50 50s
0: and these ethereum dudes were some rich boys some some bougie rich boys
1: yeah but they were wild right
0: they wild out a little bit i mean back in the day reading was for bougie rich boys and and but hunter s thompson was and if
3: he was in alabama they had those satanic like country pagan rituals all the time too so they were just killing people
1: (laughs) and then they had that in louisville yeah yeah
3: those rich kids were having a good time and like committing horrible like sex acts on corpses Oof, Jesus! Jesus Didn't you guys uh, watch True Detective? Yikes! Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that whole shit. Yeah, book nerds do get into some weird yeah, shit old, and a lot of old, authors.
3: Old country people be doing some weird hellistic shit. Well, <laughs> yeah. they
0: were they were some country boys and they loved to read, but they loved to get wild. That was almost like a front, really, the reading club thing. Because yeah. these boys would read and they'd read all their books, but at nighttime, they'd loosen up those ties and they'd hit the town, baby. And they'd, I think this was like a natural
1: I think it was like a natural thing for like Hunter to go that route. Like he's a dude with a librarian mother, he reads all the time, and the only dudes that are getting down at this all boys school, which is probably like really rigid, probably has like really Gnarly discipline. The only way he could get the fuck down was with these rich nerds.
0: Yeah, and so and like we said earlier, he was a charismatic dude. Any. Yeah, he was a charismatic dude. So he kind of was running this little club. So they go hit the town. They they do all this hooligan shit. And Hunter was kind of like he was kind of like the ringleader in a lot of ways. Yeah. But the thing is, all these kids had mm. fucking rich parents with deep pockets who knew judges and stuff. So when yeah. they got in trouble, Such you know. Jazz. Yeah, they were a bunch of chads. They knew they would get off the hook. And one time, I don't remember. Do you remember exactly what the situation was where Hunter uh, got arrested?
1: Um, I have heard that story, but I didn't really get into the to the weeds of it. But I know that like he, yeah, like he always had to deal with the law on a much different level from them.
0: Yeah, well, he got arrested one time, and his mom didn't have the money to bail him out. So while all his these hoity-toity Ethereum boys, uh, you know, walked free. Hunter had to spend what was it, sixty days in
3: jail? Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That yeah, that comes up in a minute. But he yeah.
3: only served like thirty-one.
1: Yeah, and actually, even when he got out of jail, uh, the fucking um, the superintendent of the school personally requested that he could not take his final exam. So Hunter S. Thompson never graduated high school.
0: Yeah, yeah he, he couldn't even graduate. That's fucked,
1: Gee, bro. Yeah, and, and some other shit that... Some other shit that was kind of crazy was that he actually did join the yearbook club, which the yearbook club is like kind of like a, it's like a geeky, like smart kid club. I, I used to host, I mean, I used to like sponsor them and he joined this, <laughs> but those kids were like, they detected that shit really quickly. They were like, this kid's dirty and he smells and he's mean. And they kicked <laughs> him out of the fucking yearbook club.
0: No, I know. Nah, no, thank you. This is not. Can't this, have no custies in our club. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, buddy. You yeah. You gotta go.
1: So, fresh out of jail and being refused his high school diploma, Hunter was given the choice to either go back to jail or join the military.
0: Which really seems like some very 1940s, 1950s shit. A judge
1: is like, look, son, you're either going back to jail next time we get you, or you're joining the Air Force.
0: But Hunter said, fuck it, he joined the Air Force.
1: Yeah, he left Louisville and joined that shit, and he actually applied to be an aviator, uh, but, I mean, he did not have a very good record for that shit, and he was instantly rejected.
0: That's fucked, bro, man. Just because he was a little wild... Just because he was a little wild, he's a little country. I mean- he was a little wild little country I mean I
1: feel him to a degree an aviator is like a job yeah, where you dangerous. really have to be yeah. you have to know all this like science and like you have to really know like the ins and outs of how to like run a plane they probably saw this kid was in jail this kid didn't get a high school diploma they're like
0: <laughs> he's gonna steal yeah. the plane
1: yeah <laughs> like there's other people online, line maybe like there are better applicants for this and yeah so that's plus
0: I don't I don't think Hunter's heart was really into fucking aviation baby I think he just thought it was cool
1: yeah yeah He, I think he was a little bit of an adrenaline junkie and he was like yeah I'll fucking yeah, fly he planes yeah. He yeah, yeah, probably
2: yeah. wanted to fly a plane on acid or some shit. That was his end goal. You <laughs> know? He, he did <laughs> is like before
0: the acid, but yeah, he just yeah, wanted yeah. to do some oh. wild shit. Like you said, he's a wild card, so
1: Yeah. Uh, So he actually ended up studying electronics for them at first, but he longed to find another way to sneak his passion for riding into his day job. So after being transferred to the Eglin Air Force Base near Fort Walton Beach, Florida, he got a job to be a military sports editor after lying about his prior riding and job experience. And at that same time, he was also moonlighting um, for a local sports column under a false name.
2: Because that was like illegal to do back then. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. easier to pull off back then too. I'd imagine Dude, like all crimes were saying? easy like, back yeah. then.
0: I don't yeah. know how he Hunter his got way into anything.
2: I don't know how he got caught up
0: in the first place. This is what back in the '40s and '50s, <sighs> to literally get caught doing a crime, you had to physically get caught doing that crime. Yeah. So, Otherwise, well, it's like you know,
3: the whole uh, the thing that was screwing me out about the movie the most, watching it, was the fact that
1: like what Fear and Loathing.
3: Yeah. That he just fucked up those hotels And like How are they ever going to get their money back from him? There's no credit cards No it's no they They're out a, of there, well, Like he, It was Like he oh, just did I don't even remember
1: that, that was definitely an exaggeration, but I'm sure he probably had, like, a lot of big-ass hotel bills. He probably Daddy fucked up a lot of them. On, and, yeah. Yeah. and just yeah.
3: dipped. And, like, there's nothing. What are they going to do? That's just Drive their life, horse baby. and buggy? <laughs> yeah. they're Chevy Malibu that gets four to the gallon? <laughs>
1: I mean, even this, he got a job as a sports editor by lying about his prior job experience. You could just be like, yeah, yeah, like, whatever. Like yeah, I, yeah, I did
0: that shit. I did all that shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, like, see, well, then it's like, well, it's like, then he just shook his hand and they're like, are you are you lying to me? No.
0: No? No, that handshake was firm.
1: <laughs> so while Hunter did all right during his service for the Air Force, he was an obvious unnatural fit for the military as his rebellious and antagonistic tendencies would typically get in the way of his ability to cooperate with the rigid structure of service work. And in 1958, after just three years of military service, Hunter S. Thompson was honorably discharged from the Air Force to which Colonel William S. Evans wrote,
3: This ale man, although talented, will not be guided by policy. Sometimes his rebel and superior attitude seems to rub off on the other staff members.
1: Yeah, so basically he was just like, he was the typical dude That's like I could never join The military man Cause I can't have Some dude just yell in my Fucking
0: face bro I'll fucking Drop his ass I don't know why Y'all taught
3: me My face like that Like I'm in the Military or
0: something <laughs> No but the real Thing is that like He was even worse Than that because Like instead of like I- I'll drop his ass He was on some Well I'll just Fucking uh, air him out And fucking get These other people To laugh at him And get yeah. Just cause all this Fucking uh, strife In the in the ranks of,
1: <laughs> Yeah because apparently like he was, like, really like he was always like talking to like other dudes and getting them involved in his shenanigans. Same thing he was doing in high school, like, he, he was, was just always that type of dude. Not to mention, he was the oldest of three younger brothers, so I think even from the beginning, yeah. he's on that yeah, shit he where he knows how to show. command dudes yeah, to do he, shit. He
0: had rallying power, yeah, like Hitler.
1: Jesus, hear that, hear
3: that, yeah, Hunter S. Thompson dead for what <laughs> 10, 20 years, 15. Fifteen years, you canceled. 16, Sixteen.
1: Because you're like Hitler. <laughs> in some Hey, ways. hey,
3: Payne said it, not me.
1: <laughs> so, after being discharged from the Air Force, Hunter moved to the Big Apple in New York City, where he worked as a copy... New York bullet- City?! New York City. New York City. <laughs> and that's where he worked as a copy boy for Time Magazine before being fired for insubordination.
0: <laughs> this dude is not like good. Not he a not a, hold a job. Yeah, not a job yeah. holding type of guy. How many? How many
3: jobs have you been fired from? Two. Shit. I've been fired from. I've left a lot.
0: One job. I've, fired I've one never
3: job. been fired. I've always quit on the
0: motherfucker. No that's two. Right. That's two. I was saying. fired from I've two left jobs. Jo- many jobs. I was fired from two jobs, and that shit hurt mm. both times. Even though I hated both those jobs, that shit hurt.
1: I got fired, like, three times at, like, the same Subway, and I just kept, like, <laughs> I was just like, nah, come on, man, nah, and he was like, you fucking gave away free food, you're like, stealing shit, yeah, you're dude. doing all this, and I was just like, nah, and he was like, okay, one more time. <laughs> to, like, Hold f-
0: on, this is the Subway in Ocean View? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay.
3: Dude, yeah, yeah.
0: my boy, I
3: literally used to go in there and pay for a soda refill, get a foot-long sub, two bags of chips, fucking, like, eight cookies, and pay me, like, yeah, 72 cents, and I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And another
1: wild. dude got fired for me, <laughs> for that, like, exact yeah. thing, like, because he just wasn't as good as hiding it, I guess, for some <laughs> shit. Um, but, yeah, so after being, uh, sorry, oh, yeah, and just in that same year after being fired from Time Magazine, he started working for a local newspaper in Middletown, New York, and he was fired from that job as well because he was kicking in a candy machine
0: yeah it's, it's like coin got stuck or something and so he said fuck it and broke the candy machine yeah but only, t- only took his candy only took his candy
1: yeah he still got his candy but the problem was that for yeah. one like a whole bunch of people were yeah. like oh shit free candy the rest
0: of the staff was like well thanks yeah
1: <laughs> and in hunter s thompson's words he had quote rendered the coin slot obsolete <laughs> so it was also around this time in New York City that he's that he met his longtime girlfriend and eventual wife Sandra Wright. Who, when asked why she stuck around with such a total weirdo that Kat couldn't even hold a job, she said,
0: "The only way to say it is that I was just going, absolutely going."
1: <laughs> so she was just like, "Look, I was going, I was going through it. I didn't know what was going."
0: This on. bitch didn't have a brain in her head. Apparently, yeah, she just two like, brain
2: cells fighting over. What is going other? on?
1: <laughs> So while Hunter's journalism career was off to a rocky start, it was during this time that he used his work his work typewriters to write word for word copies of F. Scott Fitzgerald's *The Great Gatsby* and Ernest Hemingway's *A Farewell to Arms*, which he went on to say was intended to help him feel the rhythm of what it felt like to type in the style of such brilliant authors.
0: Which is like that's kind of crazy, but it's also kind of admirable, right? That is weird. I've
1: always thought that's something I've known for a long time. That's like one of the big kind of like literary facts about him.
0: Yeah, it's a Hunter. It's a Hunter Thompson fact.
1: Yeah, and like I, I've never heard of anyone ever doing that before or after this. Like in, emphasis on after. It's like, insane. That's yeah, why. that's kind of weird. Like I mean, it's kind of beautiful in a way. There's a romanticism to that, but it's like, what?
0: It, it's yeah. It's be like you know what? I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna type out all the chamber of secrets and <laughs> just, just so I could feel what it's like to be inside of a turf's head. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean basically i mean to him he thought that it was like practicing music like when you're learning guitar you play songs you already know which like i can kind of see but it's just it's a little bit that's
0: different. not the same it's not but, a one-to-one
1: but hey you know in the long run i mean he was a great writer so yeah maybe, it worked you
0: know. out mark still became yeah. a great writer
3: it hey. fucking
1: worked out bro damn still yep. counts So frustrated and bitter after being fired from the military, Time Magazine and the Middletown newspaper, Hunter decided to make a radical shift in direction when he moved to San Juan, Puerto Rico. We're moving down south. Yeah, to work for a sporting magazine called El Sportivo, which means the sportsman in English. El Sportivo! (laughs) You mean the sportsman, right? That's
2: right, brother.
3: Yeah,
1: although this is kind of sad. His girlfriend did not move there with him. I wonder why. I wonder why She was probably like So you can just be Like losing a job Out in Puerto Rico too like,
0: Sandra I'm moving down To Puerto Rico You have to stay here I always <laughs> thought um,
3: Hunter S. Thompson Sounded like Like a, a really bad White dude Trying to do Like a racist Native American voice <laughs> uh, I can like kind of see that the, Like the cadence And everything Because he kind of
1: Gets like a uh, You know that hey, uh, uh, a deep uh, yeah. you, t-
0: you tell that Mother
1: <laughs> that You deep. tell that Motherfucker <laughs> If he wants His fucking turkey based that he can Come talk to me <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) so Hunter would go on to write the fictionalized narrative of his stay in Puerto Rico in his novel The Rum Diary although that wouldn't get published until 1998 and it was later adapted into a film in 2011
2: yeah
0: yeah The Rum Diary even though he wrote it like 40 years before. It didn't come out until after Fear and Loathing. He got that fear and loathing boost.
1: Yeah. He's yeah. like,
0: let me put out this book. Maybe y'all fuck with this real
1: quick. Yeah, no one really wanted that book when it first came out. And, and the, the, the weird thing is is about, is like, he definitely had some cool adventures in Puerto Rico, but we don't really entirely know what they really were, but apparently The Rum Diary is based off of that. So, so we watched The Rum Diary to kind of get a general vibe of what was going on with Hunter S. Thompson.
0: Yeah, so apparently he moved down to Puerto Rico, met Amber Heard, blew some fucking, blew some <laughs> Crazy alcohol and burnt a policeman and then, like, took some acid in his eye and then (laughs) flew away. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That is pretty much the story.
1: Um, And, I mean, basically, it's like. It, it changes it where he doesn't work for El Sportivo he works for like a, a like uh, an English language newspaper that all the tourists read but like he's like trying to get the big story and like he, but they only want stories for like the tourists like yeah. things like best things about Puerto Rico like what's so great about Puerto Rico meanwhile he's like traveling throughout the country and he's seeing all the corruption and like how the poor are treated and just like the utter lack of any kind of economic mobility where it's basically uh, it's just like these poor villagers and then like these like tycoons he wanted to report on that and they're like no and you know so i I think that's our audience bro so this this being like such an early work of his does kind of show you know like he was thinking politically he was thinking about justice he was thinking about fights against tyranny and colonization because he was seeing it firsthand
0: possibly some of his first uh dips into that kind of like activist or at least document documentary uh documenting like activism or something at least you know, before he really got into it a little later in his life,
1: and a little bit of Gonzo too, honestly, yeah. like even from the beginning. You but know? this
0: is all, this is all, you know, you know. It
1: we, is mostly fiction, so yeah. we
0: don't know what the fuck really went down in Puerto Rico.
1: Yeah, but but it should be said, you know, has a kind of like a fun fact. Uh, the movie shoot of this, which also stars Johnny Depp, is when he did meet. Amber Heard.
0: Dude and that bugged me so much because here's my it thing. It was man. weird to watch, man. It Amber Heard like is like this really like you know, she's a really gorgeous actress, a really gorgeous woman, but like every time I see her now I'm like be gone, devil woman! Yeah, like, you know I just I'm just like get out of here, Johnny. Leave her alone, Johnny. Don't do it. Don't fall. Yeah, away. I was kind of I was like,
1: no, Johnny, not my Johnny. You
0: know, but he did. He fell for her. Do you but, remember
1: you know. when we did our episode on uh, Elon Musk? We found out that she probably cheated on Johnny Depp for yeah. Elon Musk. Isn't yeah, that crazy? Dude, I, yeah, that's crazy. Ooh. He went through Cross his tunnels, over. his underground tunnels. Cross Cross she she was was speaking ranks, of those
3: tunnels, have you seen how fucking garbage they are?
0: What, Elon's tunnels? Yeah. Don't
3: these they- these hyperlink tunnels that are just literally an uh, Uber ride going <laughs> eight miles an hour to a parking lot in
1: Vegas. I think it mostly it's like prototypes though. Yeah, I'm not shocked. <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, they, they, they could be better.
3: It's literally, you have to pay $45 for an Uber, a 15-minute Uber ride. You know, I It's held, literally an Uber.
0: I held my reservation. Jesus. This is not the time for this, but I held my reservation for Elon Musk on the Elon episode. I was like, I'll be watching you, basically. And uh, I'm not... It's not looking good, Elon. So yeah, quick update. Yeah, drunk. Elon Musk is not Elon's
1: looking. fucking dead to me. There will be an addendum coming soon for that one. Yeah, but, uh, si- your ship is sinking. W- one more thing about the, the Rum Diary, though, before we move on, is, like, again, you're seeing... This has a lot of early symptoms of his later riding in it. I mean, again, he's drunk all the time. It's literally called the Rum Diary. It's got this yeah. kind of political backdrop. And like you said, there's a scene where he fucking does... I don't know if it was acid? It was, like, some type of drug they put in their eyes?
0: Some experimental drug that... It uh, was probably acid, to be that, honest. That they... It's so bad they give it to communists, said one of the actors.
1: <laughs> yeah, he said that he got from like the CIA or whatever. Yeah,
0: that would be acid
3: though. Yeah, Yeah,
1: so it's pro- I was thinking like is this like some NK Ultra like like the CIA yep. But they stash, took it in their you know?
2: eyeball, which was weird. You can, you no, can, so I mean, well, okay, so you can I've definitely seen, take I've seen liquid people LSD put pills in their eye. Yeah, in in your eye. I mean, that's Wild. a thing. It's I mean, the liquid itself usually goes on paper and that's what people usually get little squares, but before it goes on paper Some people just get the vial of it And just and put it in their eyes. Put it in their eyes. Some people will drip it in, You know Drip in their mouth People drip it on gummy bears You know Fuck and it absorbs <laughs> it. Yeah. That's just hardcore Hold on But, to but then again the I true... do not promote drugs Yeah me <laughs> either <laughs> Hold
3: no. on I want to see I ask I want to ask the true what, The it, what dude.
2: question Yeah
3: Do they boof it Yeah um,
2: can you boop ass? I would not acid? be surprised. I'm I, people boof a lot of shit. Yeah, apparently. you take a tap really you put out it on your, your pinky finger, dude. You dude, you just I've put it on your toilet it.
0: paper
3: and wipe your ass. Oh.
0: So, oh. so no, so check I got out. You know, you got to make sure that goes in.
3: No, well, you, you can take the
2: little the, dropper, I guess, and just like squirt that. Right That's what I'm saying. Like throat.
3: just squirting it in your
2: butthole, and then instantly you're in the. You're strategy. just dropping
3: acid into your little oh cave of an ass. Look, we it hate dangerous
2: th- to do a, sh- a strip or something. Get a little paper cut on your bunghole. Yeah, yeah, we hate this stuff, guys. Yeah, Maybe we we, just, we uh,
1: look. We hate drugs. As next as the next guy, but while he was doing acid in the movie, uh, there was a really cool quote from a uh, a certain a, lobster that was talking to a
2: caged lobster. Human beings are the only living being that claim a god. And the only living thing that behaves like it hasn't got one.
1: Hey, you know that's kind of like some—that's uh, some early little like philosophy lo- about the world. You know, I like Tony
2: it.
0: loved lobster.
2: Tony the lobster told <laughs> you. Know, the Tony lobster the was lobster, the truth. You know what I'm saying?
0: He had—he had some real, real uh, bars.
1: Yeah. Um, and though we don't really know much else about what happened in Puerto Rico, after the real magazine that he was working for, El Sportivo, after that fell through, he decided to move back to America just in time for 1960.
0: Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. We will not hate you. Because, because it is not me. And yet we cannot at all. Can
3: all be be left it yeah. since yeah. my yeah. land. We will run that was planted in my brain
1: <laughs> so we're in the 60s now baby
3: oh yeah. yeah 60s the, my favorite era no this
1: but this is the early 60s so yeah, it's yeah, basically yeah. the 50s yeah
3: you know segregation <laughs> it's still legal um segregation <laughs> i mean yeah um, that's 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 all you really need segregation
0: yeah, you know, the 60s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know. In America. Groovy.
1: So Thompson, unknowingly arriving just in time for the beginning of one of the most significant decades in American history, which would go on to define his entire career, he hitchhiked his way across America until he wound up working as a security guard in Big Sur, California, where he first wrote the original manuscript for The Rome Diary, as well as another book, King Jellyfish?
3: Damn, so he Forrest Gumped
1: it? Yeah, yeah, he
0: hitchhiked, yeah. except for he, did it, he didn't He did do it on foot. But, yeah, he, he went across the country. He wrote The Rum Diary based off some events that he had in Puerto Rico just beforehand. And apparently he had also, I think, beforehand wrote that, uh, I think I don't know if it's King or Prince Jellyfish. Yeah, I think it was
1: Prince Jellyfish, my bad.
0: Yeah, but he it never came out. And I, I keep thinking about, like, that Alistair Crowley book that he said he wrote that was so crazy. That oh, that would, would
1: drive be, people insane. <laughs> would drive Someone's, insane. People insane. <laughs> Someone's like, I read King Jellyfish, but <laughs> <You> now I've <laughs> been driven mad. There's definitely
0: <laughs> some, like, super... Super hipster edge lord was like, oh, I had a copy of Yeah, true. And you wouldn't believe
1: it wasn't worth the price I paid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, but while he was in Big Sur, actually, too, man, he wrote some articles for some paper where apparently he had exposed too much about certain town areas, and uh, the a lot of people like were upset about it when the article came out, and he was pretty much drove out of Big Sur for some shit he wrote in a in a, in some magazine about it.
1: Didn't you say it was about, like, the gay clubs in the era?
0: Yeah, so there was some place where, uh, I guess, because this was, like, in the 60s, where gays used to meet up kind of, like, low-key and, like, you know, link mm-hmm. up and stuff. And, I don't know, Hunter just knew about it. And pretty much that, among other things, exposed in this magazine article, basically telling about this town and how, like... Below the surface is all this stuff going on. And uh, one of the lady who ran the fucking uh, place, the landlord of that place, where he said these people were meeting up, got really upset about it and, like, kicked them out.
1: That sucks because I'm sure he was just trying to, sh- like, shine a light on this. And, like, I, I, you know, just to be like, hey, this is interesting. But he basically just dry snitched on, like, the gay community at the time. At that point, you know, that was, like... You could not be openly gay at that time period. So yeah, yeah. you know, well, no,
0: they were still doing a lot of lynchings back then. Yeah, yeah, it was even still wild to accuse. Like, like I said, the landlady was like felt like. Some kind of way for being accused of of this thing going on in the place that she owned yeah you know so like it was a different time
1: man so after he got ran out of there in 1962 thompson moved to south america as a correspondent for the national observer where he finally married sandra and in 1963 the now married couple moved back to the u.s in aspen colorado just in time for the assassination of john f kennedy a moment in history which had a profound impact on hunter as he believed that jfk was the first decent president the u.s had in decades
0: wow Yeah, he spent the rest of his time, like, hating most American presidents. Yeah,
1: I think that really, like, struck a chord in him. Especially, like, I mean, he was just in Puerto Rico, a very politically unstable country. He was just in, I don't really know much about South American, like, adventures, but he was just in South America, which, like, uh, there's a decent amount of that country that's also had a fair amount of, like, uh, that kind of instability. Especially, this is, like, in the middle of the Cold War, and to see, like, John F. Kennedy just get fucking, like, I mean, that's crazy. Imagine, really, the president, imagine, like,
0: being assassinated on live television. Yeah. That is really wild like it's a part of American history that we just know but yeah that's so crazy to think of happening
1: yeah this apparently like he was crying for about this like he didn't cry very often but he cried about this really hard Um, and it's, this is kind of like an interesting historical fact. Uh, he was really upset that JFK's death was being blamed on communists and Hunter was kind of getting this idea that he was seeing like the initial stirs of like a new kind of patriotism where like people are just worked up so much because like they'll, this is the point where like people are exploiting, catastrophes yeah. you know this is the beginning of that and he was seeing it uh, quickly and I think that's a big thing that actually got him into politics which is really going to define a lot of stuff moving forward
0: he didn't know how right he was about a lot of that shit man you, can you imagine him seeing like the Trumpism going on like yeah. in the oh, country yeah Dude, This shit's gone full steam ahead. You had no clue, uh, Hunter Thompson.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a, a good amount of uh, interesting commentary that he made at that time that I think was pretty prophetic of this time period now, but we'll get probably more into that. But uh, months after the assassination of JFK, Hunter and Sandra would have a son, Juan Fitzgerald Thomas, whose name was inspired by none other than John Fitzgerald Kennedy, as well as one of his favorite authors, F. Scott Fitzgerald. So he looked up to JFK so much, he named his kid after him.
0: Yeah, which is wild.
1: Just two years later, while he was still living in that area, he did a uh, he went on a trip to Ketchum, Idaho, to investigate the death of Ernest Hemingway. And while visiting uh, his cabin, he actually stole a pair of elk antlers off as a souvenir here. Which is
0: crazy. Like Sherlock Holmes on this shit.
1: (laughs) I I, mean, he was like a
0: vice journalist of the fucking sixties. Yeah. So he was a
1: vice journalist before vice journalists were a thing.
0: thing, Mm, You know. So like he goes out there to investigate. You know, which is crazy. But uh, you know, and and like see what you can see. And like he just steals some shit, but he keeps it for the rest of his life. You can actually see it in certain photos of him in his like kitchen area. You know, which is dope. He just took that and
1: he was just like, "What are y'all gonna do about it?" Like fuck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some mantelpiece piece of my Uh, sink Ernest would want me to have this
1: yeah (laughs) but yeah he was I mean during this time period basically like Hunter S Thompson is has been working his ass off for years especially like now he has a kid so it's about to get like put into overtime he's basically just a freelance journalist and he travels wherever the story takes him really
0: yeah dude he was like they're living pretty broke like he's working for I think on average is about $100 an article. And mm-hmm. so he's just cranking out articles. Another Elron Hubbard fucking uh, yeah. uh, c- across another Elron comp here, where he's just cranking behind that typewriter, man. Maybe to get paid. Not, may- to get paid. Maybe yeah. not as prolific as Elron, but like fucking, he was working. He was working.
1: Yeah, he was working his fucking ass off. But he, won't way, no he won't ask him
0: for no
3: goddamn raise. <laughs> he won't ask him for no goddamn raise.
1: Listen to our hiccup episode. <laughs> so it has a little side, uh, little side note. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Ernest Hemingway, how he died. So Ernest Hemingway actually died just three years earlier of a shotgun blast to the head. Bow. That was right after he received this crazy, like, mysterious treatment of 15 electroconvulsive therapy treatments. So, like... Hunter, you know, and this is very important for some stuff very later on, at the end of the story, Hunter would go on to write about how he saw um Ernest Hemingway's like suicide as his last like piece of agency in his life. He felt like Ernest Hemingway no longer really fit in with like what was going on in the 1960s. He was like, "You know what? I wrote for this time, Hem- Hemingway was just like didn't want to give his life to anything but himself and he he took his own life. So you're
0: saying Hemingway lived past his prime?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that uh, that's something that Hunter S. Thompson talked about a lot.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So now, just a family man trying to make ends meet with his journalism career, Hunter, Sandra, and Juan relocated to the tiny town of Glen Ellen, California. And it was during this period that Hunter was introduced to a physician named Bob Geiger, who gave Thompson a prescription to an early amphetamine called Dexedrine, which gave him the extra boost to really get on his shit.
0: Oh. Just what he needed Fucking speed
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: He's like I can ride all night now well, let's go Doctor I have
3: diarrhea Here's
0: cocaine Yeah this is still <laughs> in that time period
1: I mean, I think, like, I think that's probably something that a lot of writers do, and probably a lot of journalists, is just take speed so you can get the fucking story out.
0: He's like, finally, I can counteract uh, this fucking alcoholism. No, I mean, throughout history, I'm pretty sure
3: they just do coke. <laughs> uh, I, feel like, I, mean, I feel like that's a very journalist drug. That's like, a rich man's speed. Nah, yeah.
1: I mean, I think I think, like, speed, though, is something that you can be on for, like, hours and hours and hours. Although, well... Fucking uh, who's who's the main cocaine author? Fucking Stephen King, though. Oh, you yeah. might have a point, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, don't. So I just
3: l- cocaine's got that like luxury, that like you feel like underground luxury that like a journalist would be mm. like, wanting to put out. Dude, got I, yeah, cocaine I do. Tonight.
0: I do fucking coke, bro. Like, I've read the full Dark Tower series, and yeah, yeah. Fucking Stephen King did a lot of cocaine. <laughs> definitely. <laughs>
2: like, throughout history, if you look back at all the different writers and artists, and like the way back. The, the drug use mm-hmm. within all yeah. of them. Not all of them, but you know what I mean? Like through a lot of them in some form. Yeah, in cocaine or... Or
3: like your witch doctor, like even in like tribalism, like they would just probably be like they smoke and fire, and like they were probably burning some shit, and then just saying some off <laughs> <laughs> the wall shit. The elk came down and told me that if we fight them tomorrow, they're gonna murder us. Like, <laughs> like no, bro, they just tripping. <laughs> I mean, ain't that shit? Yeah. When
1: you think about it, it's crazy that we even drink coffee every single day. Like, sure. I mean, that's just like a thing is people Glad in the Coffee before we started this. If you wanna get working and like you know be doing shit, you got to be amped up on something and if you're like having to work really hard then you just take something a little bit stronger and that's what got him on Dexedrine So it was during this time that Thompson would attend his first political event, the 1964 Republican National Convention in Daly City, California, where he saw speakers like Dwight Eisenhower and his future rival, Richard Nixon, endorse Barry Goldwater for president. It was all under a, a platform of limited government and a hardline antagonism against communists.
0: Yeah, our boy hated Nixon. Yeah, 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 he really, oh. and that's probably we're getting more into that in our next episode. But boy, did he fucking hate Nixon.
1: Yeah, this is his first time seeing him face to face. I think it's interesting because you know he's this journalist, and like JFK dies, he hasn't really done any big politics stuff. And then just right after that, he's just like right there in the heart of it, like this like very like uh, you know he's really interested in what's going on. He wants to like really know it. And I think you know that was a, it's a it, that was an interesting moment because that would that would definitely change a lot moving forward. Um, But between his utter boredom and Glen Ellen, his increasing interest in the political landscape of the mid-60s, and his natural journalistic curiosity with finding a good story, Hunter felt compelled to move to the very heart of the burgeoning liberal movement for free speech and civil rights. And in 1965, Thompson and his family moved to the epicenter of the upcoming counterculture movement, the Hate ashbury District, in San Francisco, California.
0: A.K.A. Hashbury.
1: Yeah, he was looking for that story, baby. And... He heard there were drugs. He's like, "Hey, I
0: heard there was a lot of drugs out here." <laughs> mm-hmm, he was fishing.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of sad though because like his wife, his now wife Sandra Thompson, who he has a kid with, was actually she actually really liked their time when they were in like Glen Ellen and in Colorado, and she was just like, "Oh, now we're moving like to that place like the drug capital of the country when
0: they were living a a moderately reasonable life even though in in a lot of their early uh, marriage like they were broke as fuck barely making rent and literally hunting elk for food
1: yeah (laughs) i think i think that's kind of like hunter
0: was a hunter hunter was a hunter
1: yeah, I mean, he loved guns. We didn't even talk about how much he loved guns.
0: Well, I think because his love for guns comes a little bit later. I mean, yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, I, th- I think he was a, he was always, like, because of, you know, how he was raised, he was always a hunter, and he was always, you know, not, not he was familiar with guns and rifles, but I think his love for guns came after his running with the Hells Angels. Yeah, <laughs> and after he
1: could afford more guns. Exactly. <laughs> While living in Haight-Ashbury, Hunter was in extremely close, close proximity to famous artists like The Grateful Dead, and he even saw Jefferson Airplane's first ever show at a Venue called the Matrix.
3: Who the fuck is Jefferson Airplane? Jefferson Airplane?
1: This dude. know?
0: Here. Also known as Jefferson Starship.
1: What? <laughs> you don't know? You don't know any of the <laughs> Jefferson Airplane songs? No.
0: Really? I don't really know them like that. But yeah, I'm I can't. Probably,
1: I don't know any. Of them I have like, them. I have no
0: fucking idea what the fuck
3: y'all. I know like, like I, know I know like
1: know. the jingles, but I don't know any of the lyrics.
3: What's the jingle? I, I know them off. in reference. Dun, dun, dun,
1: dun, dun. Jefferson dun, dun, dun. Airplane. <laughs> I
3: feel like that's not ringing a bell? bell. No, now I know how you guys are like, when I'm talking about weird shit off of the internet. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, but
1: Fuck. but yeah, so uh, he was just going to shows, bars, clubs, and political protests, and he was just becoming more and more involved with the local hippie scene while all his time at home was just devoted to drinking and riding.
0: Yeah, he was just really getting into the scene, and he was powering up it in the, in the daytime with drugs and alcohol. Uh, mostly alcohol and then coming yeah. home and just writing a bunch.
1: Yeah, while still drinking. A lot. Not, he
0: was wh- getting in the sauce. Yeah, he was getting in the sauce heavy and not really being a good dad or a husband.
1: Yeah, he wasn't there for, for his kid <laughs> or her wife at all, honestly. Dead There's. Beat. It was actually really sad at one point, like this this is a little bit later on that this happens, but he was uh, she was like telling him like, Hey, like you're never here for like your son. You like why aren't you like being a dad? And he was like, you know, your son is your great novel. Basically like saying, like, <laughs> you know, like I'm working on my novel, you're working on him. Like he was just equating his son with a book. Yeah, that he he's wants like to write.
0: that's your novel. You work on that. I'm gonna work on this Hell's Angels book I'm working on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, yeah, the uh, the Hell's Angels were super involved in this area at the time.
2: Didn't you, uh, yeah, John? Didn't you say something about the Hell's Angels? Yeah. So you know, at the time, they were basically being used some, you know, sometimes for security for a lot of these shows. For, I mean, I know Grateful Dead, um, but they also ended up. Driving a bunch of acid across the country for Fleetwood Mac from the Grateful Dead for this from this guy Bear who was making acid for them in all the shows and stuff at the time, and uh, yeah, so like they had they were drug smuggling, but they were like the perfect people, I guess, for them to be able to have moving stuff across because they and, were outlaws.
0: You, yeah, they would and ride deep too. And were misfits. Lot, they were weirdos. We think of the Hell's Angels a little bit differently nowadays, but the Hell's Angels were very intertwined in this Bay Area counterculture that was going yeah. on. So because it was
1: just kind of like a conglomerate of all these different weirdos just kind of coming together. They're like, this is the kind of area where, like, we can all be weird together. So even though, like, the hippies had their own idea of being weird and the Hells Angels had their own ideas, I mean, they crossed paths and essentially, like, the Hells Angels could make money off of the hippies, which remember, the hippies are mostly just a bunch of, like, college kids.
3: I always (laughs) uh, pictured the Hells Angels as, like, the final scene in the original Dawn of the Dead. Like they just were like driving through on motorcycles in the mall, just like fighting and breaking shit. I mean, just basically like everywhere yeah. they went, like they they were just like just driving through malls, like fucking
1: whipping
0: chains at all random yeah. fucking shit in the mall.
3: Yeah, I mean these these getting, were pretty, getting pretty
1: crazy. Getting their arm ripped off in a blood pressure machine, which is so crazy because like you know a, you know one day or at night you're like selling drugs to like hippies or like thanks man so cool far out groovy and then they're like at like, during the day, they're just, like, beating the shit out of people and, like, raiding, like, other motorcycle gangs and shit like that. They're like,
0: look, brother, I like to sell drugs, and I like to whip shit with chains, <laughs> but in my heart, I'm a gearhead. I'm just a gearhead. Yeah, a
1: lot of these dudes, like, worked at, like, chop shops and, like, uh, you know, like, uh, like uh, mechanics and shit like that.
2: I mean, so, I actually cooked for some when I worked at Mojo Bones in Ocean View. They had, like, a whole Shouts. group of them. Yeah, the whole group of them. Yeah, they, yeah. uh, (laughs) A whole group of them came in, and I just, like, cooked a bunch of ribs for them, but they were all, like, pretty nice guys. They just look crazy as hell. Most
3: most biker gang dudes or uh, motorcycle club enthusiasts that I've met in my life have all been pretty chill.
2: Yeah, they're pretty solid. You just don't fuck with them, that's all. Yeah, I mean
1: it's it's interesting this this part with the Hell's Angels like the, their existence almost kind of reminds me of like being like the hardcore and metal scenes like when like when we're all younger you know because like you know you're they're trying to do like your own thing but there are just these people who have like emotional problems who you, are like
0: <laughs> he, when you're in that scene you keep counsel with some real wild boys yeah some dudes who will
1: just like wallop on some dude and it will not be fair yeah the ones that are
2: about it about it
1: yeah. yeah and they also had a policy where like they always said like if you fuck with any one of the Hell's Angels, then all of them have to come in. These are a rough-and-tumble group of people.
0: That's a very hardcore music-type vibe.
1: Yeah, so, So, I mean, Hunter S. Thompson, you know, while he's chilling, he's coming out there, he's seeing the whole counterculture thing, also being kind of a rough-and-tumble dude himself, he naturally started actually making friends with some of the Hell's Angels. Um, And he actually ended up writing a story that he wrote for The Nation about them um, in 1965. And like his whole angle with the Hell's Angels was like, hey, like all these journalists are telling these sensational, cartoonish stories of you i'm the journalist who likes guns and to drink and is kind of like crazy so he kind of got a little bit more of the scoop into their perspective than anyone else really could
2: i'll say this i mean it's kind of ballsy to get yourself that embedded in the heart of like the hell's angels at that time with all the shit they were doing yeah and to, like i mean tell a story of like what they're involved in yeah i mean but- nowadays it seems like something that could get you killed if you were to really like yeah And he had
0: (laughs) to kind of blend a little bit, though. Like, he can kind of fall in line. I think they – more than the average reporter or journalist of that time – hunter s kind of could kind of blend in and he was always like we said charismatic and, and such and like i guess that even that even carried over to the the angels a little bit
1: yeah I, I think essentially there were not any other journalists like this guy most journalists were just like nerds who got like you know degrees in writing or some shit and then went off to work for like the washington post and new york times or whatever hunter yes. s thompson is like a totally different type of dude and he's trying to find his way in to get a cool story and naturally he fell right, right where he needed to be in fact there's actually a story like one night like he uh he invited a bunch of them over to his house which is actually crazy because like his wife and kid were there but he brought a bunch of these angels back to his house he was like gonna drink with them all night and hunters thompson i mean he's kind of like a he's not like a buff dude by any means so he was like telling them he was like look i don't fight with my hands like i'm not the best i'm not really the best for fighting and i know how y'all act when you do get in fights and then he just cocked the fucking 12-gauge shotgun and was like this is what's gonna happen if anyone fucks with me, basically. So he's kind of being that like weird nerd, gun tough kid, like.
2: Wait, so, he, so he said that to the someone in the Hell's Angels.
1: Yeah, and it was in front wow. of a bunch of them, and and like according to like the story, uh, apparently like it was just uh, they kind of understood it in like their own way, and it's because like, essentially he is a news reporter, you know, and they know that. So and he was a
0: journalist, but, but he was a hard case, too, you know? Yeah. You know, Hard enough to, like, you know, vibe with the Angels. And he was with them for a little while, too, man, like a year and a half, almost two years. Yeah,
1: so and after that article was published, um, he ended up getting, like, a bunch of book offers to do this, and that's when, yeah, he went off to go live with the Hells Angels for a year and document all of his stories with his little uh, uh, tape recorder and stuff like that, and he was going to write a book about it. Wow! wow. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of next-level underground. That's like living a whole other life for an entire year of your life.
2: Yeah, he, like, really dove in, got committed, like, in the nitty-gritty. Are
3: you trying to take away from our boys in blue that do undercover (laughs) narking for years (laughs) at a time?
1: Our boys in blue. How dare you? He's like, I'm
0: sorry, Sandy Juan. I gotta go live with this biker gang for a year. Uh, (laughs) You you got this, right? You you can take care of this boy. You You got the the boy, right? (laughs) Take care of the boy.
1: Yeah, take care of the boy. I'm gonna be out in the back. And, like, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, he was just, I mean... I feel like on some level, like, he was reporting on them and he was trying to see all the crazy shit they were doing. But I think in some level, it was just kind of an excuse for him to once again just be around a bunch of wild, rowdy-ass motherfuckers. Because to hang out with those types of people for, like, a year, you you can't just hate every moment of it. Yeah, you know? it's kind
0: of like when we're like, hey, I'm like, hey, babe, I gotta go do research with the guys. But really, we're just gonna go drink and watch YouTube videos.
3: Yeah, <laughs> essentially, Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know that would be a that would be a wild ride. I mean, that's kind of like every day some crazy shit going yeah. down. That's yeah, a lot. I mean, you more, got a lot to write about. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> a
0: lot heavier than drinking and watching YouTube videos.
1: Yeah, I mean he uh, he did apparently see a lot of fucked up shit. Like he was saying, like just constant beatings. Like, I mean, a lot of really terrible stuff. So
2: that I mean that's kind of what we're about to get into, and this is like kind of. Some of the heavier Trig- stuff. Yeah. So a trigger warning on this one.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of a, uh, a sexual assault trigger warning for this one. So uh, yeah, at, at one point in Hunter's time with the gang, he once witnessed an LSD fueled gang rape at a party that he himself threw. So he felt obviously terrible about it. He said that it actually began as a small, like, consensual little orgy, like between her and like four other people. She was like this artist girl, but then like she kept drinking more and more. They were giving, like, pretty much forcing her to drink more alcohol. She was taking more and more acid and. And all these dudes started just coming up. Like, besides those four dudes, they were going in, like, cycles and shit like that. And he said it was just, like, the absolute abyss of, like, how, of, like, it's the most depraved thing ever seen
0: beyond what could be considered consensual at a certain point and yeah i think this really fucking shook hunter to his core seeing that yeah
2: i mean so he he witnessed it on lsd too and i mean oh god well actually
1: he he uh he i hate to will actually but he this is actually what's crazy is he actually did acid after that what yeah so he was just drunk at this party on like speed yeah this is crazy he was just like drunk at the party i gotta take the edge off
2: yeah exactly (laughs) that's, that's <laughs> honestly, some kind of I feel like some psychopath shit. Because like to see usually you know set and setting kind of shit with doing psychedelics. This man just this is, witnessed some honestly, just you know uh, obvious like terrible shit. Heinous. And yeah. Th- and then his choices to like let me dive down a rabbit hole real quick. and Let what me the hell's
1: angels. So yeah. to maybe set context for a few people that don't entirely who maybe don't even like, there are people that when they think acid they think that's like heroin. Like, do you want to kind of describe what the whole set and setting thing is? And also, this can be a lesson for anyone who somehow does, you know, uh, legal. Which we would
0: which we were not condone and would hate to see. We would I not mean, condone it. Well, I okay, mean, if you so
1: did, But if you're like, going to do it.
0: But if you were going to do it,
2: though. Um, LSD... Same with mushrooms, um, psychedelics that are honestly being studied in places like John Hopkins Hospital, which a friend of mine worked at. Basically, these things are being used to study depression, anxiety, PTSD.
1: Cancer and, cancer uh, patients as well who are like coping with their death.
2: Yeah, um, and death. it's showing a lot of progress. So it's something to look into. MAPS is one uh, organization that you can look into um, that studies a lot of it and... It's yeah no it's kind of moving away from the whole hippy dippy uh, like trippy shit and that's into- a, that's the
1: that's like the big thing about it is like if it's done in a con- in a controlled space it can be like uh, handled in a much different way with like set with intentions and stuff like that because like the thing is is with with a drug as powerful as like psilocybin or acid you cannot like if. It can really fuck you up if you don't know what you're doing.
2: Yeah, so yeah, set so and setting to, are extremely important, right? Yeah. To go back on that, because that's what your the original question was. But <laughs> set and setting, um, it is because if you're around you know, a place you don't really know very well or you don't feel comfortable in, or even sometimes just being inside, confined, can really mess with you. And then being around people you don't necessarily know or trust. That's the so, setting. Yeah, and so like, if you're around people you love, people that you can trust, to be in a weird headspace and like... You're in a place you're comfortable. You can have some really, uh, honestly, therapeutic, some people say spiritual, experiences. And, um, yeah, no. And it's, vice versa. Yeah, and uh, like we said, we don't condone drug use. But uh, in some states, they are actually going legal with this. And, like, you know, um, I don't know. I'll say I'm all for it. I, I believe hey. in it.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, the thing is, it's like, yeah, I mean, usually if you're going to do something like that, you want to have a good environment. He was in the absolute worst possible situation he could ever be. He just saw like a, a terrible, act. a heinous nightmare, act. nightmare,
0: nightmare,
3: nightmare.
1: yeah, well, and he's a
0: psycho he's covered. He's surrounded by fucking psychopaths on on fucking motorcycles. Well, I don't crazy. know if
3: anyone's like, see like have y'all if y'all have watched Mandy, but like, I'm just picturing this being the scene where he wakes up in the house with the biker gang
1: <laughs> well, he uh, when when he started feeling a kick in, he did actually ride his motorcycle back home, which is crazy. <laughs> But like he I went, yeah, like when he when he did it because I think in no that moment, I think in that moment he was just like, "Holy fuck, dude! I got to do something. Like drinking is not enough. Fuck it! I'm gonna do acid. Whatever." Like I, I, then I d-
0: he just like rides away on his on his bike with like
1: shorts and yeah. some <laughs> chucks,
2: yeah, like no. Some American flag short, shorts <laughs> yeah. and some boots.
1: Yeah, um, and yeah, he actually said that it ended up being a surprisingly positive and relaxing experience. Oddly enough, so it seems like maybe he kind of like coped with it all. He was like, Well, you know what? This is this this is what it is. This is the nature of man. So while Hunter was documenting the gang, he also witnessed as the San Francisco protest began to specifically address the Vietnam War. While many hippies assumed that the Hell's Angels would have naturally sided with them as their fellow social outcasts. Hunter actually witnessed as the gang would go out and protest just to beat up the hippies and like yell at them, calling them traitors and communists.
0: So they were basically the sixties version of like Trumpers, yeah, like Proud Boys or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Like, it really like
3: super all it right trips Trumpers. me out though because like they're literally like quote unquote rebels, like defying the government and trying to live by their own rules. They're like,
1: oh, these pussies are doing this too? Hell no. Yeah, exactly. They're pretty much saying, like, sh- like we're the strong ones. We don't give a fuck what you guys think. Like, strength wins. This war is great. Yeah, America's great. Our version of America is great.
0: Yeah, they're like, let's go over there and kick some asses. Like, you know, fuck you hippies. That's And that's the vibe they had. Like I said, there was this really kind of, like, false equivalency with fucking Hell's Angels and, like, that counterculture hippie movement in the early 60s. But when back, push came to shove. Yeah, they were not really on that life. I mean, as we all know them now not the way they were known back then. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, and really, these guys are these guys are a mess. I mean, Hunter began to see the gang as less of a band of social outcasts and more of a fascistic gang of hypernaturalists. Hunter even predicted that in the Hells Angels, he was witnessing the first stirs of a new boneheaded version of American patriotism, even if the country and culture they claimed to care about so much was responsible for disenfranchising misfits like the Hells Angels in the first place.
0: And yeah, how right he was. Yeah, <laughs> but that
1: really did end up happening. So despite his friendship with the Angels, Tim. Tensions had started to rise between Hunter and the gang because of rumblings that he was only hanging out with them in, in order to exploit them for economic gain. I mean,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? Y'all thought he wanted to be y'all's friend?
1: Yeah, and it's crazy because like there was like one angel that like went on the uh, that news show. He was like, All
0: right, I want to know why
3: we didn't get the two kegs of beer that you promised us." <laughs>
0: I didn't like that interview at all. Yeah, it's so you can stupid. look this video up on YouTube, but there, there was something about this interview that seemed very theatric. It didn't seem like Hunter knew the specific Hell's Angel, and it seemed like the story he was telling was a little bit fabricated, and Hunter was just letting him tell it in order to tell his side. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to that point, the fucking host was like, "Now nah, you guys can take this off stage, Yeah. and then just kind of like cut him off. So
1: Just silenced your boy, but let this fucking Hell's Angel just talk.
0: Yeah, literally. <laughs> so that story... Uh, I feel like it's permeated the legend of what actually he ended up getting his ass kicked for.
1: Well, we'll, we'll get there in just a second, actually, because he actually got his ass kicked after he even wrote the book, which true. is crazy. Yeah, true, So here's a little line from Hell's Angels about this whole situation. For nearly a year, I'd witnessed a blizzard of stompings and chain whippings, the grunts and screams of drunken gang rapes, the warp of mind-bending drugs, the shattering rumble of straight pipes. Violence and doom were everywhere. Right out in front, showcased like their stripped-down bikes and the goddamn 1%er badges they wore in their vests. But their high-octane rage was never directed at me, at least not seriously. Mm. So he knew. I mean, imagine being with those types of dudes every day and just thinking like, wow, at any moment.
0: This is a powder keg that can go off and it, on me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but he did eventually actually leave the Angels because he had to actually finish writing his book. Because I mean, essentially, he's not writing his book all the time during it. He's mostly just taking notes.
0: Taking notes, recording things, taking little excerpts and shit, and then he's got to compile that shit after the fact.
1: Exactly. And Hunter S. Thompson was really infamous for always being, like, late on late all of his appointments. His
0: deadlines. <laughs> like, like, on the fucking line. Yeah. You know?
1: So, for this, I mean, he had a big book deal for this, and he had to meet that deadline, but he didn't write fucking shit. So they he act- said
0: that he He would drive, he would make a young man an old man of his editors, like, (laughs) you're driving them, stressing them out, driving them crazy.
1: Yeah, he could not stand them. So, like, just one day, he randomly decided, like, he he only had, like, a week to write this fucking book. So he went out on his motorcycle and just drove and drove and drove until he eventually found a uh, random motel in Monterey Bay, and he just cracked open a bunch of Dexedrine and wrote for four days straight without sleeping, only eating McDonald's to finish the manuscript for his book.
0: So, like we said, not taking care of his child, not being yeah. a husband, this dude is just like, Sorry, I gotta stop hanging out with these outlaws. I gotta go on a fucking Dex drain binge for these next four days to write this book.
1: Well, in defense of him at this point, this could be the bag for the family. At he this also
0: point. did tell his
3: wife, like, that's your novel. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, so he is securing the bag. Like yeah. he's like, you know, I gotta go t- make this bread for yeah. us real quick. If yeah. you declare something, it just It's just a thing. Last night, Kaylee said grip checked out of nowhere and smacked my phone out of my hand. She said, no, it's chill. (laughs) <laughs> I said grip check, so. According <laughs> so to my
0: girlfriend, to deal- like, you just declare something chill. It's chill. He's got to deal with it. So Sandy was just dealing with yeah.
3: it. It's
1: like, Sandy, it's fine. I'm just going to go write this book for four days and crack the fuck out. I need nothing shut with shut up,
3: woman! <laughs>
1: <laughs> so after finishing the draft for his book on the Hells of Angels, Hunter was shown a picture that the publisher wanted to use for the book, which Hunter thought looked ridiculous, and he didn't feel like it really captured the spirit of a man who had just spent a year face-to-face with one of the deadliest gangs in America. So months after he would already stopped writing. Riding with the angels, and after he had already written the book, while he was while it was still getting edited, he went to go take one final picture with them that he could use for the book.
0: Fuck that! I'm gonna go hang out with the guys.
1: Yeah, so he just went out and, like, he apparently, like, when he went there, like, none of the, like, uh, it was a bunch of, like, newer people, because it was, like, three months later.
0: Yeah, so the turnover rate of the Hells Angels is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, you, like, die <laughs> or... Something.
0: You end up dying, going to jail, you know, yeah. or just getting transferred to a different branch. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, the, the laws
1: <laughs> after that guy, got to move him somewhere else, I'd imagine, yeah. yeah. Half the guys,
0: the guy's he... guy's too hot. He's it. a hot potato, man. You got to get the fuck out of here. Exactly. Half the guys he fucking knew from last time were on that fucking ride to Fleetwood Mac to deliver... <laughs> yeah. That acid, you know? <laughs> so, like, exactly. they got to repopulate. they got a bunch of new guys in there. Yeah. You, you so, know too much. <laughs>
1: so, Hunters Thompson's rolling up. Like, they've all been talking before. They're like, oh, it's that fucking journalist guy who hang, hung out with us for a year and, like, did all this stuff. They're probably talking shit about fuck him. him. And then here he comes. He's like, oh, I'm to get one final uh, fucking picture. And they're just like, who the fuck is this guy? And, I mean... There's a few ways the story goes, but at the end of the day, he got the shit beat out of him by the Hells Angels this night.
0: For whatever reason it might be, yeah, Hunter got stomped the fuck out uh, within an inch of his life, apparently.
1: Yeah, apparently, like, they were about to, like, crush his head with a fucking rock, but there was a a giant Hells Angel named Tiny that stopped him at the last moment.
0: Apparently, Tiny was a friend of his.
2: So how long after this book got published did he get his ass beat?
0: Uh, This is before it was published, but before it...
2: But did they know that this book was about to be popping off? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's the theories about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, People higher up in that gang found out wanted some what money. Was being, wanted some money, or if it was pissed about what he like exposed. Mm-hmm. Take this what thing have out. What But like, yeah, that shit went down. The to-
0: truth of this story mm-hmm. is still shrouded in mystery. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: Hunter said that it was for that reason that they were just they just want to get a cut of the money. But yeah. they said it was because uh, he didn't give them two cases two of, beer. of beer.
0: Two kegs of beer, yeah. baby. Well,
1: uh,
0: this guy here, he's sitting here and he's making a million dollars, and
1: he made it off of us. Uh, maybe no, not quite no, that much. No. <laughs> if you knew what I was making on this, uh, You're making something anyway. you wouldn't sell me that vitamin credit. We helped you make it, right? Yeah. We you said what we making you was what nothing,
0: there was nothing about money, nothing about a share in the book, nothing about anything. All we wanted was a couple of kegs of beer so we
3: could all get drunk. <laughs> and a copy of the book to each of the Oakland members. Yeah. I said that when I, you I, got your I, I, head thumped on, you wrote a letter to Ralph, and you said, seeing and I got beat up and got my head thumped on. I don't owe you guys nothing.
1: I didn't figure I did. And, and also something else that happened specifically that night that apparently like just set the whole thing off.
0: Junkie George beating his wife.
1: Yeah, Junkie George was out on the shore beating his wife and his dog, and the legend goes that Hunter S yelled at him and said, Only a punk beats his dog and his wife.
0: You know what? If so, good luck on Hunter.
2: Yeah, you know what? He did the right thing, but... And everyone you... stood up and clapped. Yeah, clapped
0: his ass. Clapped that ass, They shut that shit up. We beat dogs and women around here. Are you stupid? <laughs> and Hunter S. Thompson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this dude's being his wife and his dog. You think we won't beat you up, yeah. too? Yeah. I, we have
3: a dude named Junkie George. <laughs> you know, yeah.
2: So, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I mean, good on him, but he had to know what was coming. Yeah, when he knew he was getting his ass beat. in that kind of gang how to handle his wife in a a way he stepped up he was gonna like well "Well, in a way
1: i think it was like i think part of that was his own built-up resentment from living with these guys for a year seeing
0: all that fuck shit that they were Mm -hmm. doing exactly
1: it's like all right i'm gonna go out there one more night get this picture and like actually tell them how i really feel but hey didn't work out so good for him Did
2: not work out but maybe it did because he published the book he probably knew he wasn't gonna walk away from that without something i don't know i
0: think that was his hope He was like well i hope I don't die. Yeah. yeah. I hope I can
1: pay his medical bills Fair with this fucking my life, book. Please so after narrowly escaping death with the Angels Thompson's story and his experience with the Angels culminated in his first published hardcover book Hell's Angels the strange and terrible saga of the Outlaw motorcycle gang in 1967 and it was a hit yeah this thing made like it it, they the uh, the first edition sold out like immediately they had to do like two other uh, runs of it like it did like way beyond what anyone thought
0: dude the late 60s they wanted to know about this fucking biker gang man and and fucking
2: Hunter he this was what put him on the map, really.
1: Yeah, because no one else had done this. No one else could really probably do this.
2: I mean, honestly, that's... He... You just said it. Put him on the map. Blah blah blah. blah. They beat his ass. Cause they wanted that bread. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> that's what it sounds about like. And they're I think about he the was money. Like, you he now they like, got you're... this
2: guy to just turn their whole life into a story for him to make money. Oh hell yeah, they yeah, like, beat his ass what? for that money. Do we never just?
0: Mm. Disc- they're like, hey, we never negotiated any terms with this. This guy, <laughs> you're just chilling around. with us. <laughs> you telling us you're taking now notes left. and writing a goddamn book about us? <laughs> <laughs> the hell, the whole time. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, honestly, that's a part of the reason why he did what he did next. Like, I mean, right after the book came out, like, it actually, no, this was just before the release of the book. He actually ended up moving back to Aspen, Colorado, because he actually wanted to get away from all of the bullshit and hit Ash Not only the Hell's Angels, but the hippies, too. He honestly, like, as much as he agreed with the movement, he did not really agree with the hippies' methods, because he thought that they were all just... Doing, they did nothing but drugs.
2: Yeah, he, he. K Town probably likes that. Shit. I mean, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Hunter S didn't really <laughs> like hippies. Fucking hippies. You yeah. want to get the fuck out
1: of there.
0: Fucking hippies, fucking fascist biker gangs. He had to get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah, he would. He, he he was seeing that the hippie movement was kind of a farce, at least with what it was becoming, and he was not with it. Because yeah. he was a, he was about that shit for real. He was a real activist.
1: Yeah, exactly. He saw, like, I I think what it is is, like, he's seeing all these movements happen, but he's just seeing, like, a bunch of people just doing these dances, doing acid. I mean, having fun. I mean, doing stuff that is, you know like uh, not terrible to do, but it's not actually going to create a movement when it's like that. And I think he saw that these people were more concerned about getting like their next hit of whatever than they were about real systemic change.
3: Yeah. Mm.
1: Not to mention the fucking hell's angels were probably on his ass. So he was like, all right, it's time to me to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I,
0: can, I of here. can agree with that. I get, mean, get a I bunch of guns.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he ended up moving out to, uh, at, um, Aspen, Colorado, where he would actually end up staying for like a long time. Like his whole thing was he wanted to get like somewhere just away from it all. And he, uh, started renting out this cabin in aspen colorado when the book came out he got a bunch of money so he was able to like maintain that home and after that it gained like a bunch of new traction uh like he gained a bunch of traction like everyone was hitting up this guy everybody wanted hunter s thompson the hell's angels got to do something so his life for like a while was just him chilling at his uh cabin in aspen and then flying out for the story coming back but he always had his home citadel Cause you know what Man, man ought to have his, his home. home. A
0: man needs his home. A man's got to have a code. A man's got to have his home.
1: Yeah, Hunter S. Thompson has some beautiful writing about home.
0: And when Hunter S. Thompson got that bag for the Hell's Angels uh, uh uh book, he didn't spend it on a fucking fast car. He didn't spend it on a bunch of fucking jewelry. Nope. He bought that home because
1: <laughs> home
0: is Import is pertinent. Yep, home, damn right. But shelter, A warmth, man ought to have his home.
1: Comfort, wife, kids. <laughs> wife, kid, guns. Guns. Lot, now we can buy a lot more guns. Come.
3: <laughs> <laughs> a
1: man's got to have his come.
3: <laughs> Curveball.
0: <laughs> so to kind of wrap up this Oh wait, but he named it Uh, is this is a uh, Owl 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 Creek, yeah. Owl Creek, which yeah, he yeah. lived for the rest of his life.
1: Yeah, he did. I mean, he did end up, end up getting like a uh, a bigger home a little bit later on, a few years later, but yeah, this is like when he first fucking moved out there, just living off the spoils off of his of his success. And now he was like a celebrity. I mean, he was on like uh he was getting on like talk shows for this shit. Like we watched that one video where he was on like some show with the Hell's Angels rolled up. He was also on this like uh uh basically like an early reality show where like these women had to guess which one was the real hunter s thompson will the real hunter thompson please stand up
0: It's like a dating game type
1: show. Yeah, yeah. basically. This um, man's married. Yeah, I mean he's and he's and he also had an affair during this time. He actually had an affair with his editor. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and his wife uh, never uh, found out about it until much later on. Hey, but, we
0: never said he was a saint, y'all.
1: Oh uh, no, no, not he, at all. He,
2: on the game show, didn't our boy like score like all of them? Like I think yeah, like, he yeah. won. He won, like, he won like, yeah, the, like, the game show. Yeah, by the end of it, they won. They all wanted him.
1: Well, I guess <laughs> the the whole premise for the game show that he won. It, I, I don't really know if as much of it was like a dating show. Actually, like I, I heard a little bit more about it. and I watched a little. Bit of it. Basically, it was this old show in the sixties where you'd have like three dudes who were dressed up some certain type of way. Two of them were actors. One of them was the real person, and they would talk about all these things. And they would answer questions from these women. And the women at the end had to guess which one was the real one. And they all guessed Hunter S. Thompson, even though the two dudes that were next to him were like uh, wearing like leather jackets and looking all cool and shit like that, like looking more like the dudes that were that had hung out with the Hells Angels for a year, you know. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, he's he's kind of blowing up, and you know, he's he's getting big, and. Uh, Uh, You know, let's let's go and wrap this thing on up. So in the summer of 1967, Hunter spontaneously met a large Mexican man at one of his local taverns who went out of his way to meet the now famous journalist. As the two began talking, Hunter discovered the man's fiery passion for civil rights, especially in regards to limited economic mobility of of minorities at the time, as well as the higher likelihood to be sent to Vietnam hunter discovered this fiery kindred spirit in this man who would go on to inspire hunter's own passion and ambition to fight against tyranny and that man's name was oscar acosta better known as the inspiration for the character of dr gonzo in fear and loathing in las vegas and that's what we'll wrap up today
0: we're saving the rest for part two stay tuned
1: yeah basically after this it's about to get wild <laughs> yeah
0: we're gonna take that ride maybe yeah Ugh. You bought the ticket, now you gotta take the ride in two weeks. <laughs> K <K-Town's like,
1: "Ugh." laughs> Town, what, what what's what's your what's your beef with Hunter S. Thompson?
3: I, I mean, this this stuff's cool, man. I just really did not like that
0: movie y'all made me watch. Oh, okay, okay we'll save it, save it, because we're K Town had never seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas before. The other day, we all sat down and watched a bunch of these movies together, and uh. Save that heat. Save that heat, K-Town. Tell yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You
1: know. yeah. So, yeah, in the next episode, we're going to get all into his uh, his, his life with Oscar Costa, the, the making of Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. I mean, him really blowing up as a gonzo journalist, really becoming the Hunter S. Thompson that we know him as today. Because, again, keep in mind, up to this point, he's only done acid a couple of times. Yeah. He's about to do a lot more fucking acid.
2: We're going to be
0: getting into everything that you know him for, and really, actually, the life afterwards. The life after Fear and Loathing. Yeah. Really- Which Really,
1: Which, honestly, at a certain point, he goes, doesn't we'll, really do much. <laughs> we'll
0: talk about it. We'll talk about yeah. it. But for now, that's the prologue, guys. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at the Good Times Are Killing Us podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Good Times Killing Us podcast. No spaces. And on the Twitter at good underscore times underscore dead, 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 dead. And dead, leave dead, us a rating dead, and review. Dead, five dead, stars, dead, please, dead, dead. on Apple Podcasts. And five. We'll, yeah, five only. And we'll read it right here on the cast.
1: And we want to leave you with a final note. You know, we've been talking a lot about drugs in this episode, and we're going to be talking about them a lot more in the next one. But we just want to go on record by saying that we hate to see it. We hate, hate drugs.
0: It. I hate to see it. Hate to see
1: Hate to see them goddamn drugs, brother. So here's the thing, brother. If you ever try PCP, Angel Dust,
2: crocodile. Psilocybin,
1: Crocodile, then you're going to fucking wind up Dead. dead. It's not really much about Puerto Rico, so that's really all we have to talk about about just, his time there. And well the rum diary, which is at least inspired partially from reality, but I just wrote the the story is mostly fictions. Yeah, I mean I do like this one quote though from the that the lobster said to him. I thought that was pretty interesting where it says the human beings are the only living being that claim a god and the only living thing that behaves like it hasn't got one. Ooh, like, that's good. I was like, I all like right, that. Alright, that's pretty heavy, yeah. And it's also where Johnny Depp met Amber Heard. Can I, I quote can I quote that bit. when we get to that line?
2: Yeah, yeah. Damn right. The heavy shit. What's mm-hmm.
1: your
3: what's your lobster voice?
2: <laughs> Ooh, yeah, she, you, really you really are a good. lobster, Yeah, <laughs> i have a lobster voice. You're quoting I don't even know how here. does a lobster even fucking sound
3: How would you think if you were tripping on acid And a lobster came up and walked to you and told you
2: about God hey, guy. Yeah, true Okay <laughs> Honestly, yeah, a Human lobster beings are the only living being that claim a God <laughs> and The only thing living that behaves like it ain't got one <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. actually great like, That's, uh, that's a lobster It's like Italian lobster <laughs> that's <laughs> that's <laughs> literally Yeah, literally Yeah, that
3: actually is really cool. Hey, I'm walking here <laughs> yeah, That's what i <laughs>